Another episode of Beyond the Blade, episode 86 to be exact. I am, for now, your solo co-host, Chad. Didi Menace is here welcoming you to another episode of Beyond the Blade. So we're going to do things a little bit differently here in this episode. We uh, we actually had Ryan Stimson on from the Athletic Buffalo with us Saturday with Bill and I. Uh, after we did the interview, the interview actually went so well uh, that Bill and I decided what we're going to do is run this as a standalone episode. So that's why I'm the only one here that you're hearing right now, uh, because I'm adding this intro in, and then Bill and I are going to regroup in the middle of the week to evaluate. I guess you could say the word. The Sabres moving forward here. They have a very important stretch of games coming out of the All-Star break and their bye week. Uh, fortunately, they've gotten some help here on the, on the scoreboard the last few nights, but... Um, you know, taking losing two out of three heading into the uh, you no know, heading into the break is definitely a tough pill to swallow. But we'll get to that in the middle of the week here. So, Bill is going to join. Bill is on for the interview here. You're going to hear shortly. So there'll be three of us: Ryan, Bill, and myself. So, um, without further ado, we're going. I'll run this interview now. So, uh, I hope you enjoy it. I thought it was excellent. Uh, a whole bunch of number nerd stuff is going to be in here. So. Hopefully those of you who are not a big fan of it will listen anyways and appreciate the insight that Ryan gives us and the good conversation we have here for roughly the next half hour. So enjoy the ep- enjoy the episode, enjoy the interview, a lot of good stuff, and Bill and I will be here to talk to you probably in the middle of the week. So without further ado, here is the interview with Ryan Stimson from The Athletic Buffalo. I hope you enjoy it. All right, so joining us now from the Athletic Buffalo, their hockey analytics guru is what I call him. We have Ryan Stimson on the line with us. Ryan, appreciate you taking the time, man. How are you on a cold, snowy Buffalo Saturday? Yeah, I'm doing well, Chad. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, snowy's right. We're I don't know how much you're supposed to get hit, but I think we're supposed to get like between 10 and 16 inches by like tomorrow morning or something. Ooh. Yeah, we're I don't know if it's gonna be that much, but there's, no. there's probably a couple inches in the ground right now, right, Bill? Yeah, yeah, we're a little more north, so I think we're we're looking at seven by the end of the weekend. Not too bad, manageable. Yeah, fun, right? 
the negative three is yeah. going to hit you. That, that, that's going to really. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't help anything. <laughs> so, Ryan, the reason I brought you on here because I've gotten more into number stuff this year, and then you definitely know your number stuff a lot more than I do. But I will say, I, I think I'm picking up traction. I, I feel like I may be kind of getting into the number sorority a little bit. I mean, I've been called a color book GM and a number nerd this week on Twitter. So I kind of feel like I'm starting to pick up the reputation. So I just want to let you know that I, I think I'm maybe like graduating from like beginner to like semi beginner level. So I, I think I'm kind of proud of that. Well, well, that's good. I mean, once you know nameless people on twitter start to make fun of you for using evidence that's usually when you've made it so so that's good that's good uh bill unfortunately like that's like i said before we started he's the kind of guy who uh he doesn't really have the time to look into this stuff so i kind of have to bring it to him and then explain it to him and he's like oh okay that makes sense but he, he's the guy who's gonna kind of just jump in from questions from time to time here while you and i are geeks about our our hockey numbers here that works for me. We're always welcoming new members. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. And I, I guess I'll, I'll kick it off with, um, <clears throat> would you mind, like, what would be your top two kind of favorite things analytically to watch, whether you're evaluating, like, a team or a player? Um, I know a lot of stuff we see are, you know, expected goal differential and, and PDO, but I was, I was kind of curious, what, what do you look at? Uh, or what, what do you like to kind of watch as you evaluate teams or players? Um, well, I, I think you kind of, and you mentioned a little bit about it there, just your, you know, like your running expected goal differential, your shooting and save percentages that make up PDO. I think you kind of have to start at that point because um, it kind of gives you an idea of, you know, what teams do well, what don't they do well, you know, are these results uh, you know, can I buy their actual results or are they, you know, punching a little bit above their weight with some unsustainable percentages? Uh, and then once you kind of get an idea of where, you know, whether they're really good or not and what they excel at, you know, then I kind of look to look at, at the team level, like just the different phases, like while watching the game. So, you know, how are they breaking out of their zone? How are they getting in the opposition zone? Um, you know, how are they in the offensive zone? And that can kind of help provide some, some like, Oh, okay. Well, their expected goal differential, you know, is really good because they have a really good offense. And now I'm kind of seeing part of exactly why that is. So I think, it, when like if you're looking at the team level, when you look at certain numbers, you know it can kind of help inform what you're seeing in the game is like actually true. Like if a team is, you know, they're continuously getting to the net or getting really good chances close to the net. Right. Um, you know, if they have high expected goal numbers, it's like, oh well, they're pretty good at this, so maybe there's something here that they're actually doing systemically that I should pay attention to. So, um, so I, I kind of start at those numbers and then kind of work my way down from that during the game. So I guess to your point, it's more of a, not necessarily too favorite. It's more of a, you've got your building block analytics. And then from there you can branch out into more deeper analytics based on what you're seeing in the base. I guess you can call it uh, analytics. Right. Yeah. Cause, cause every, every team is gonna, uh, you know, have, you know, there could be a small range between a couple different teams and, right. you know, their expected goals for, but, you know, everybody gets there different ways. Jump into the Sabres aspect of it here. It, it's kind of weird looking at these numbers, you know, with their shots rates, their shot rates and their, you know, their expected goals where, you know, we're kind of seeing a trend here where it's been very up and down roller coaster for the Sabres throughout the season. And, and it's odd if you look at, you know, the, the points in their season and, and how these numbers are going. It's when they were winning, these numbers were tanking. And when they've been losing, which is 
been the majority of the season outside that 10-game winning streak, they've actually been pretty average. And over the last you know week and a half, two weeks here, the numbers are starting to come back up again. Is it? Yeah, it's that's I think kind of for me is what kind of makes it the most frustrating. Where they're playing better hockey, but it's just it, there's there's that un I guess you can say kind of in a way unanalytical part you kind of can't measure where the luck comes into fact the every mistake you make ends up in your net type of deal. But it's just really it's kind of an odd thing watching this team throughout the entire season how the numbers go down but they win and then when they go up they're losing. It's it's kind of odd. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that can always be the the frustrating part. But you know, try being a Carolina Hurricanes fan this season, right? right? Exactly. So, exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, I think you know the reason you know the community kind of uses a lot of these numbers is because where I mean, obviously, like what happened is important because you have to be able to explain you know how a team's performing, you know why they're getting some of the results they are. But you know what we're most concerned about is like, okay, how well is this team going to play going forward, right? Like, what does this team tell me today that I can expect? You know, what their level of performance will be the rest of the season. And so, the Sabers have been moving in the right direction. The results haven't been there recently, but if they continue to play like this, you know, historically that would tell us that they're going to be due for some, some good results uh, going forward. Um, you know, like last night they, uh, you know, dominate large portion of that game and, you know, it's a, a couple bounces here and there, you know, if a uh, pilot's pass, you know, if he, he and Risto connect on that, they break out and no one ever thinks about that play again, but because it's, you know, Risto just misses it, you know, it's in the back of the net and that that's the difference in a one goal game. Right. So, um, you know, it's in inside of certain games during streaks like this. It's, uh, you know, sometimes little things that are tough to measure. But over time, we expect like something like that, like that play to connect and they get out of the zone. And then it leads to more offense and possibly the winning goal for the Sabres. And so, you, you know, during these uh, frustrating periods, like you said, Chad, where their numbers look good, but they're not winning. Um, it's, it's always important to focus on the process and, and not Focus on like the big mistake, if it will. I I, uh, I see a seven-game home strand uh, coming up. That it would be nice if they could figure it out and get some, you know, <laughs> those lucky bounces. Yeah, I was I was looking at the schedule. Is that right out of the break? They're in. Uh, they have two Dallas, away. Two away. Dallas and somewhere else. They're Columbus. right out of right out of the Columbus, and then the seven-game home stand to start February. Yeah, that's probably going to determine like the rest of their season. Oh yeah, right. It's right there. Yeah. It's right out of the All Star break. It determines their season for sure. Yeah, and I mean, if they be, can. I mean, because Columbus has had, you know, I mean, they have a tremendous, tremendous top line out there in Columbus. And, uh, you know, Dallas has been all over the map this year. So, um, you know, if they could split those two games, come home, and then win like five or six at home, then I think they put themselves right back, you know, in a favorable position uh, to finally add their playoff skid here. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Bill and I were talking before you came out. It's uh... And then we'll jump back to the numbers. Sorry, people who are listening for number stuff. But it's it's <laughs> funny that uh, by the end of this weekend, they can very possibly be down six, seven points here, and then you go on your bye week. I mean, luckily, not a lot of teams around you are playing. They have their bye week, too. But it, like you said, it, it really – that beginning of February is – and it's interesting, too, because that's right before the deadline. So it's going to give you an idea of what kind of team you have here. Because if you're going to continue to slide right through the beginning of February, you're – I, you're going to be way out of way out of it, especially if you're going to be six, seven points back of Pittsburgh and Montreal. You know, by the end of this weekend, you're going to be in a lot of trouble if you don't do good in that stretch. For sure, yeah, it's going to be that, that's that's a lot of ground to make up already. And uh, I mean, you got to count on Pittsburgh turning. You know, they're going to add pieces anyway at the deadline. They always do. 
and we'll see what Montreal does. I mean, they're playing very, very well. Um, you know, lots of the numbers look look really good. And uh, Carey Price Mont- figured out how to be Carey Price again, so that's helping. Yep, yep. He's uh, he's he's doing all right. Um, <laughs> but uh, but we'll see we'll see what Montreal does, and it's just important for Sabres fans not to uh, like feel like they have to kind of chase that playoff spot either. Right. Um, you know, like Jason Bottrell, I'm sure they have. You know, uh, contingencies and different scenarios for for, for something becomes available, but uh, they don't want to do anything to try to accelerate the rebuild here. No, no, I, I agree with that. You know, it's you don't <laughs> you're not out here trading your first round picks. That, that's for sure. I mean, if something falls in your lap that makes sense for the future, yeah. then maybe or even like a I don't know what do you want to say like a tier two rental where maybe costs like a mid round pick. I, I think that kind of makes more sense than you know doing something drastic to go chase Matt Duchesne as a rental. That would be ludicrous. Right, yeah. Housley, uh, you actually brought something about him recently, and I was extremely glad that you did. Bill and I, I guess, are kind of in the, the way I want to put it, uh, Housley skeptics category in a way. There's, uh, there's a lot of things that make you kind of question um, moving forward kind of his role as a coach of this team. But, you know, I'm just kind of curious to kind of open it, an open question for you. What are some things that, you know, that you wrote about that you specifically kind of are concerned about that you, when you went through and kind of dove into all that? Yeah, I, I think it's, I mean, for, for starters, it's, it's always tough to kind of separate, you know, coaches impact from the talent that they have to work with. Right. So, um, and in Housley's defense, you know, he, he doesn't have a ton to work with, you know, compared to some of right, the peers. Right. Yep. right? So, so you kind of like, you can't go in too hard on him because of that. Cause you know, they, they do have a lot of work left to do to reshape this roster, but what you can look for are the things within his control. And that's specifically special teams, or at least for me, it comes down to two things. It's special teams and it's, you know, the lineup card because those things belong to him. Um, it, you know, you can get into, you can get like into systems and how they play. But again, that's, that's kind of tied to talent as well. Like if you have guys that can't execute right, certain right. things, yep. you, you know, it's, it's kind of tough to blame him for that. But, but I think, you know, he, uh, you know, is kind of married to this top line. That uh, you know, if, uh, Michael Skinner and Reinhardt here, and um, I think that every night that trio steps on the ice together, the team is at a disadvantage due to the onus that puts on the rest of the team to to kind of step up. And yeah. you know, you're you're a pretty thin team already, and I think that uh, abundance of resources, you know, kind of loading up the top line. Uh, does the team no favors and, you know, doesn't help younger players like a, a middle stat to, to play their best. Um, and so I think that's something that you can definitely ding him for because it represents kind of like a failure to maximize your, your roster output in, in, in every game. And I think that if that's something you can't do as a coach, then I think that there's something wrong with the process of how you set your lineup. So are you a little surprised? I mean, cause again, I was looking to the numbers today and I, you know, with the, all the secondary scoring issues, the scoring issues they've had for the last month and a half, almost two months now, I've—I mean, part of me understands it, but the other part of me is, why not just give it a try? Are you surprised there's been no effort, no attempt at all to put that Skinner, Eichel, Pominville line back together again and see if they can get going? That maybe Reiner can get, you know, a, another line going with how good he is. I mean, it's just—I again, part of me understands why he doesn't want to do it. 
uh, for a couple of reasons. But the other part of it is, I mean, you're just it's just not working. Now, I mean, it's gotten better, but it wasn't working, and it's kind of crazy they haven't got to that point where let's just try that again and see if we can get it going. Yeah, I mean, it has been pretty surprising because that line was was doing really well earlier in the season, um, and so that just never never really changed much. Um, you know, it's just like like when when people don't make any changes, like like. Like I understand, like okay, they're going on a ten-game winning streak. You know, they're they're getting all the bounces, they're getting all the the favorable results. He's not going to touch anything. Like, right. like I understand why he does that. Like, I still don't dis, I still don't agree with it because I think when you when you don't make any changes, it's almost like you don't re- know what's working for you or mm-hmm. what's not working. Exactly. Um, but you know, while they've been kind of mired in this this really poor run of play as far as from a results perspective. It, it doesn't, it raises questions over, you know, his level of, uh, I just want to choose my words carefully here, but his, his, his level of, uh, just his approach to deciphering, you know, what's truly wrong with, with the talent that he has and what, like, what more could he be doing with the talent he has to, to just kind of maximize the team's chances night in and night out? Because if you're not maximizing your lineup, then you're kind of leaving, you know, uh, shots, you're leaving goals, you're leaving all that, uh, in the locker room, essentially, uh, when you could be having a lot more success on the ice. So when he's not making changes, when he's not to your point, Chad, reuniting the J crew line to say, Hey, you know, that worked. We need some depth scoring. Let, let's move Sam off the, onto the second line here and see what we can do. You know, it just, it's, it's like a lack of creativity. It's a lack of options. And, and so you do wonder, is this the coach that we want when we do add talent to this team and we do feel like we're ready to contend, because if you can't get things right now, who's, who's to say he'll get things right later, or is he just going to kind of fall into it later when there's just more talent around him? You know? So uh, I, I think, I think it's fair to be a Housley skeptic, as you guys say, and, and criticize the things that are in his control. Yeah. And I, and I agree with you. And you know, the other thing too, that has always bothered me, I won't really get into it too much is, you know, along with a lot of what you said is I, I think his matchups on, on home ice is, I, I think is, is extremely frustrating. You know, more recently, you know, the example I brought up is the Tampa Bay game where he just, it, it's the third game in a row. He's let Vladimir Sapoko's line just get destroyed by Tampa Bay's first line. And you have last change, so you can avoid that. And again, that gets into lineup control, which I think is directly on him. So, on top of what you said, that's just something I want to throw into that really gets at me and eats at me a little bit too. But I also want to jump into something. Another thing you wrote that I found was extremely interesting uh, is the power play and penalty kill. Especially things which you mentioned, where you kind of talked how the power play kind of maybe isn't as bad as it looks, but the penalty kill on the flip side maybe isn't as good as it looks either. So can you maybe kind of elaborate kind of what you're seeing in the special teams? I, I know you're a big below the goal line power play guy. But I know that's kind of your that's kind of your thing. My reputation precedes me. Apparently. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, no, I, I think to start, well, to start with real quick, um, the power play, if you look at a lot of different expected goal metrics, um, the Sabres power play looks very good in a lot of them. Like, even if you just want to look at shot volume, it looks pretty good that way too. So right. they, they generate chances, they generate volume. Uh, you know, and that's what you want on your power play. You can't score if you don't, if you don't shoot And they're they look really well by a lot of different sites that, uh, but portray that information, like like Corsica, evolving, evolving hockey, natural statric, all those guys. And the the thing about it is, just, it's just kind of lagging behind its expected scoring rates right now. Like they have a lower shooting percentage, which you think will start to 
increase, um, you know, moving Dahlin, like, and this is where you give the coaching staff credit for putting Dahlin opposite Eichel because Dahlin, yep. you know, just, I mean, his moving five on five without the puck is tremendous. And he is his ability to kind of like slide up and down the dot line opposite Eichel. You know, there's always tremendous, like cross ice passing opportunities for the two of them. They almost connected on a couple last night. And so, so, you know, that's just kind of a, you know, if they just catch fire a little bit, they're going to, you know, do really well here. Uh, on the other side, penalty kill, you know, they're just the flip side. They, they're one of the worst in terms of expected goals against on the power, on the penalty kill. And their goaltenders are really kind of bailing them out. Um, it's been that way for a little while this year. So, so those are kind of like how you assess, uh, I think using numbers, like kind of where are they? You don't really want to look at conversion rates. Um, or penalty kill rates because those kind of obscure a lot of what's going on there. So I, I hear you bring up the, the shooting percentage is kind of low with the power play. Uh, do you think kind of maybe mixing up a little bit or would it be time for maybe a guy like Olofsson to come up and, and see if he can, you know, pot a couple for you and, and get that shooting percentage back up? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the first part of your question with the changing things up, uh, I mean, every team should do this. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lack of creativity across the league when it comes to power plays, you know, it's a, you know, I think a lot of it is coaches don't want to be called out for doing something different if it doesn't work. And so, you know, they kind of mirror each other. You know, most teams run some sort of one, three, one or umbrella for the most parts, you know, on the, on the power play. Um, you know, very rarely do teams use the full offensive zone. You know, I, I, there's been like glimpses where teams use, uh, the space below the dot line where, or below the goal line. Um, you know, and it's, it's worked, you know, teams only do it in spurts when it just always looks good when they do it. So, uh, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to, and it's very easy to kind of, you know, transition in and out of all those formations as well. So it's not like it would be like a wholesale change for, for Davis Payne, uh, who runs the power play for the Sabres to, to do, it would just be kind of an extension of their one, three, one when they go into that. So, um, you know, that's, it's something they very well could do. Uh, you would hope to see them do it more, do more of it. Uh, you know, if they truly fall down the standings here and are going to miss the playoffs, like what's the harm in trying something, um, which leads you to your next point of bringing up Olsen. I mean, he, you know, I thought they might see him. We might see him earlier in the season because they they kind of lacked that one time threat, that yep. left handed mm-hmm. shot opposite Eichel. And it's like, oh well, do we have anyone like that? Like, oh well, we have Olsen. That would be great. Um, I, I still think they should bring him up because it would give you a second option if you wanted Darlene to run the second unit. You know, but I mean, you have you have Pilot there who's who's done an admirable job as well. And but I think you can never have uh, enough options, right? And so I. Uh, you know, I do think that they should bring him up and, and, and see what he can do and, and see how it clicks. You know, um, there's nothing wrong with having two good left-handed options and Dolly and Alfson on both units. Yeah. But I mean, know, uh, go ahead, with the, <clears throat> with the, uh, pilot, unfortunate mispass last game, he's going to be set for bowl use. So it might be time to bring him up after the break. That's right. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> we probably won't see pilot again until March. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and that's another thing too. Like we go back to talking about Housley in the lineup. It's like, but like if you don't realize that pilots, I mean, to be quite honest, I mean, obviously there's Dolly and he's your best defenseman. And he will be for the next 20 years if he yep. wants to be, yep. um, mm-hmm. like uh, I could definitely see an argument that pilots, the next best defenseman on this team. And, you know, he's got, 
Uh, I mean, he was a Swedish defenseman of the year playing in a men's league, a professional league last season at 21, 22, whatever he was. And, you know, there's no reason why he's not the best player on this team behind Darlene on the blue line. And so, you know, but people focus on that mistake. I'm sure Housley is, you know, he's come out and said similar things like, oh, was it like a, was a bad, he had a bad game against St. Louis a couple weeks ago and he came out and said that, like that was yeah. the reason why he, like if, if you don't recognize that he is one of your best players and gives you the best chance to win every night at night out, then you have an issue evaluating talent from a coaching perspective. And that's almost worse than just not being able to get the lineup right. Um, you know, there's no reason why he should sit and there's no reason why he shouldn't play top four minutes. Um, and I think, and Chad, I see you've noticed this on Twitter, uh, using like some of Sean Tierney's charts when he uses like the, the pairings, like the Sabres have two good defense pairings. Yes, they do. Yep. And, you know, so whenever they get split up and you insert someone like Scandella or, or you know, Blue, Bolu, and, you know, it's just a question of why you're actively making the team worse by handing out more minutes to an inferior player. And, uh, you know, I think it's, you know, you just, you have to question the the thought process behind that yeah and it's uh it you know he, again he's only 22 years old so you're, you're gonna get those mistakes and i think I, I don't think it's for a player for him to know that if he makes one mistake he's gonna be sitting i, I think that can kind of change the mentality of a player you know so I, I kind of don't like that approach because he didn't play well against you can say he didn't i, I didn't even say he didn't play well against him he was average he came out uh, who did not play well against recently? I called it before it even happened. Just that the Edmonton mm-hmm. came out. I, I said he's gonna. He's, this is gonna be an excuse to get pilot out and get bull you in. It happened, and now I think this is gonna be again. Maybe in ten days he forgets uh, <laughs> about about this Vancouver game. Hopefully, <laughs> but it's just it, it's crazy that he he has to go again. Just have a player who is good and he's really good and he's young and he's hopefully gonna be part of this blue line moving forward. And you just have to have him go out there and go, all right, man, go ahead. But if you make a mistake, you're coming out. Good luck, though. I mean, like, it's – and you're playing tough minutes. You're playing with Ristolainen, who most games until maybe very recently is playing the other team's top line. So he's being put into a difficult role. So you're going to get those mistakes here and there. But it's, you know, something like Darlene in the beginning of the season I always talked about is you have to – you have to take the mistakes with what he's going to give you. He might make a really bad decision or bad pass – defensively it may even cost you a goal but he's going to go make you up nine goals on top of that one goal he gives up so it's kind of like i think you kind of have to take it and the fact that he seems unwilling to do that and he's so just obsessed on getting that rotation in and leaving scandela in who is a turnover machine and has had difficulties all season i just think it like you said it really makes it difficult looking at his talent evaluation how that makes any sense yeah, and I, I mean, the, the Scandella thing, like, but like I think Scandella is, he's probably a little bit better than than he, he shows. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, I thought he's been good the last few games, if I'm being honest. I thought he's played pretty well over this trip. Yeah, I mean, well, he's kind of in the same situation with Ristolainen, is that he needs, you know, he's not going to be the guy to anchor, like, a pairing. Right, and, right. and he needs to have that that stabilizing presence next to him. And, you know, Pilot in, in, in Risto just works really well, and so... You know, putting Scandilla and Risto together was just always going to be a bad idea. And, um, you know, so if, unless they can find like a steady third pairing uh, guy to use, you know, with Scandella, then I think he's always going to kind of stick out and his numbers are always going to look like that, too. So, really, one quick thing I do want to get back, I'm going to get your opinion on, because quickly back to Olsen, and then we'll kind of wrap up here. 
you know, I talked about it on Twitter today, is it, a lot of one-goal games right now. And I think your power play can kind of be a factor to start winning those one-goal games because you're not getting anything from it right now. Where he struggles still, you can see in the AHL, his game away from the puck isn't that great. So it's, I, I think he can help be a finisher on the power play and then, which is crazy to believe going into the season, that you could use players like Gergensen and Larson who have played very well together as a place to place him at five on five and kind of shelter him at even strength and then use him as a weapon in the power play. Yeah, I mean, you could you could totally do that. I mean, early on in the season, it was those two guys in Pommonville. And, uh, you know, there's no reason why putting Olofsson in with those guys couldn't yield you some of the same results. You know, they're they're good you know, field position players and, uh, you know, don't usually get, you know, their lunch handed to them on the, on the shot share or the shot differential every right. night. And they might even score a little bit more having someone with his shooting talent on the line. Right. And so, um, yeah. And then you maximize his power play minutes and, you know, that, that maybe gives a breather to somebody else's minutes on the power play who then they can then play more at five on five. So I think it definitely could have a, a positive cascading effect for sure. All right, so we'll let Ryan go, but that was a really fun conversation. So Ryan Stimson from The Athletic Buffalo, the analytics guru, knows his hockey stuff. You can follow him on Twitter, at RK underscore Stimp. And Ryan, uh, I'm going to give you the mic here for you know a minute or two, or all you need. Uh, I know you recently wrote a book, so I'm going to give you a few minutes here to kind of promote that and tell people where they can find that. All right, I appreciate that. Yeah, I uh, wrote a book, released it uh, a month ago today, actually. it's uh, You can get it on Amazon. It's called Tape to Space, Redefining Modern Hockey Tactics. It's it's all about research I've done and other analysts have done uh, to try to optimize how teams play the game from, you know, their style of play, their systems, their individual tactics, player selection, you know, uh, roster construction. Um, you know, so it's, it's all about that. It's, it's not super you know, math heavy, you know, so someone like Bill, you know, more than happy read it for you. Um, <laughs> of course, but, uh, it, no, it, it's a lot of, you know, kind of merging the numbers and the tactics of, of hockey. And, and there's even a, a section on it, uh, you know, cause I, I coached for a year, uh, at a 14 U team, uh, here in Rochester and, um, tried out a lot of these ideas, right. Saw like, okay, what's going to work. Like if the analytics, the numbers say we should do this, how do we get a team to do that, right? How do you develop drills around that concept to to see it then manifest itself in in gameplay, um, and you know, kind of actualize a lot of these theories with it? So, uh, it's 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 perfect for you know learning about numbers, learning about coaching, learning about tactics, and uh, it's it's a really good book. Uh, if you don't like paperbacks, I'm going to do a Kindle one soon here, so you can hold off on that. But uh, it's right on Amazon and. Uh, it's pinned to my Twitter account if you want to read more about it. So, Very good, sir. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, chat with us. And, you know, I definitely think we'll do this again sometime soon here so we can keep diving into the numbers because I enjoy it, and I'm trying to teach Bill. So pretty soon, hopefully, he'll be a number nerd like you and I. <laughs> there we go. There we go. We're always taking uh, applications to, to join the, the nerd group. So, <laughs> All right, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Copy, Rob, 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 Copy,
San Jose. Fired in from... Oh, Shields! Sprawls and makes the save! 